Welcome to the Behind Their Business Podcast, the show that's peeling back the curtain and showing what's actually happening behind the scenes of running a business. I'm your host, Steph Blake, and each week you'll hear from women at all levels of business who are showcasing their stories of struggle and triumph as they juggle business ownership with day-to-day life. Join us to hear inspiring stories and strategies for starting and growing your own business. Hey everybody, Steph Blake here, and I am so glad that you are here for this week's episode. As usual, it is going to be amazing, so you are in for a treat. But before we dive into that episode, I want you to join our private and 100% free and supportive community for business owners to connect in called the Confident CEO Community. So if you have not joined us yet, here is your invitation to come and join us. Each week I also do a live training to share my best tips and tricks for scaling an online business the easy way. We talk about strategy, team building, mindset, tools, automation, and everything in between to help you confidently step into the CEO role in your business. So you can go to confidentceocommunity.com to join us today. And now let's dive in to this discussion with our incredible guest. Welcome back to the Behind Their Business podcast, or if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Our guest today is going to be sharing some really exciting things today. She's going to be talking about failure, which is not the most happy topic, not the happiest topic to be talking about, but it's one that is incredibly important to discuss because so many people go through failures in their life, in their business, and they tend to feel really bad about it. But we are here to make you feel normal. Feelings of failure are completely normal. We're making it more mainstream. And she is here to talk all about that. She is also an author, a serial entrepreneur, a speaker, podcaster, and e-commerce expert who founded mommyincome.com. And she hosts a weekly podcast called The Amazon Files, where she helps others start and grow businesses online. So please welcome Kristen Ostrander. Hi, Kristen. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, you're so welcome. So let's dive into your story. Tell us about you. Tell us about how you got started in your business. What were you doing before you started this business? Give us all the juicy details. Sure, sure. So uh, before this, I was literally um, just married outside of high school. Um, My husband and I uh, met while I was in high school, got married and got a surprise about a year later, had uh, our first child and kind of was just jump straight into a, a young family situation. I was going to school, I was in college and, um, I also had my son and I wanted to be able to stay home with my family. I at that time, we didn't have plans to have as, you know, we didn't know what our family was going to look like, but I knew I wanted to stay home. And I thought, what are the options? So getting into my business after I was ripe of 20 years old when I had a baby and I was newly married. And I thought, what are we going to do for money? My husband had a, um, has a commercial construction job. So in Southeast Michigan here, it's like feast or famine, right? So, um, he's either working like 80 hours a week, or it's literally like nothing like laid off and kind of, what are we going to do? And after we, um, you know, we established our family for a while, we were working opposite ships. We were working at a shifts where he was like ships passing in the night. He came home from work at three 30. I'd go to work at four at a waitress job, leave my husband and son at home. And I was like, you know, 
this isn't really what I signed up for. So I like as a family and as a mom and a wife, I thought this isn't really what I had imagined yet income was necessary as a young family. Um, we were just starting out and we both had to work. So I was started to look for some options of ways that I could work from home. Now let's rewind because this was 21 years ago. So there the options at that time really were a lot of um, multi-level marketing or um, direct sales and things like that. And that just wasn't going to be for me. I checked into it and realized this is not the route I want to go. So I really began starting to look for opportunities where I could work from home and, and do some home-based type things and make a little bit of money. And I discovered eBay. I had been buying some things on eBay for a short amount of time back when like you had to send paper checks before there was like PayPal and things like that. And so I started um, buying things from there just because I was frugal and thrifty and it was just a great way to access inventory without always leaving the house. Right. And so um, I began selling items there, which kind of was really what was wonderful for me. I started selling things from my kids' closets, their clothes, their toys, or things like that, just to kind of make ends meet. And when I realized that this was actually pretty profitable, um, that's when I really started to grow. So funny that you mentioned that because I actually used to sell, when was this? I must've been probably 10 or so years ago. It was before Amazon. I don't remember when Amazon like really started, but I used to go to, I used to work at a, a discount or an outlet mall. And there was, um, I don't know if I could say the name. I don't want to say the brand, but there was a high end purse outlet there. So I would go buy purses for super cheap on clearance and I would sell them on eBay too. And I would make a ton of money doing it. And I was telling my mom that I was doing it and she thought that I was crazy. She was like, you're just reselling purses. I was like, yeah, this is a really good gig for somebody. So do you, did you have like specific things that you were selling? I know you said that it was like items from your house, but did you... Kind of so like I started one level. of the first thing, the first thing I ever sold, resold on eBay was like my daughter's Easter dress. Like she had like, a, you know, the foo-foo dresses or the outfits that you buy for your kids or they wear it once, like at Christmas or in the pictures or something like that. And then you're like, wow, we paid 50 bucks for this toddler outfit that then, or a, a dress or whatever that was like, we wore it once. It's like nothing on it. And, and it's like, what do you do with it? So that was one of the first things I sold on eBay was a collection of my daughter's dresses that she probably wore like once each. And I thought, what do we do with this? You know, and in Michigan, like there's yard sale season and things like that, but only like, I don't know, May until maybe October, September. And so because of that, I was like, well, how do I sell some of this stuff? And just, I was just looking to make some extra money to kind of, you know, pay the bills, put food on the table, just to help out. And, um, and that's where I got started. I realized that I could get almost the full value for something like that. My daughter wore this once I sell it on eBay for most of the money. And not only am I bringing profits in, but I'm also getting and replacing my, the necessary needs my kids needed. So it's basically the same reselling thing that you did. I started with yard sales and things that I had already had in my home, but very quickly realized that I could go to places like the dollar store or discount stores and get things that other people were looking for online. It was more regional or places where, you know, it didn't, Amazon wasn't as big back then. So then as I was growing, I, I discovered Amazon as in reselling on Amazon in 2008. And I've been on there ever since. And so um, that quickly evolved from doing the thrifting and, and, and reselling at retail arbitrage is what you're talking about, where you went to an actual store, bought stuff on clearance and resold it. That's actually called arbitrage. So re retail arbitrage, people do it online where they'll, the same purse outlet you might be talking about maybe has an online outlet where you can buy things on clearance and do it all online rather than going into the store. And so that's how I got started on Amazon was really doing the retail arbitrage and then quickly realized that that was becoming, um, 
as I was growing in the business, some of the, it wasn't really mistakes, it was growing pains of realizing that this isn't quite scalable when you're shopping around for your inventory, like pounding the pavement and going from store to store. And sometimes you come up empty and sometimes you hit the mother load. And it was very unpredictable and also a lot of hours and work. And I thought, this is actually keeping me from my family again, which is what I didn't want to be doing all these years. And so we had to find a way to pivot, which is when we found um, wholesale and then eventually started creating our own private label products. Very cool. So what did you start wholesaling? And then what did you do start private labeling? I, I just want to like sure, go on sure. the actual journey. So with, with wholesale, what we were discovering was we we hit a niche in the retail space where we were putting um combinations of products together, natural stuff that goes together, like the Shopkins craze about five years ago or so when they were hitting the shelves and they're just super, super popular yet tiny little toys um, for both boys and girls, but mostly for girls. Um, and the, the, we put carrying cases together with them. And so we were like, well, we were selling out so fast buying from retail stores and the shelves would be empty. And we thought we've got to be able to find these. So we hunted down the manufacturers and started selling some of these toys. And then we end up getting into the party supply space because of the party favors we started carrying. And that is what really took off for us. We really, we established a lot of accounts with wholesale companies with um, party supplies and party favors and small toy items because we were really into toys with the kids and everything that we had. So um, that really took off and grew into our wholesale business. And then um, just as, as people start to grow and change, you know, adding your own private label products and we do private label a little bit differently. Most people just, um, you know, can get your own brand white label things where you're putting your own brand on the same formulas of things, but um, we decided to curate kind of our own kits and gift sets. So think of a subscription box only. It's not really a subscription. It's more of a static box, gifts for mom, gifts for men, gifts for women, and putting curated gift boxes together to create this value for someone, but without the monthly commitment. So you can always go and pick which one's great for you, but you don't have to um, use the subscription model. So that's kind of how we evolved from selling things out of my house to retail arbitrage to then wholesale. And then finally kind of curating our own um, products that we're selling on private label. Very cool. So you're not building those private label boxes. I'm assuming you have somebody else who's doing that for you. Indeed. So we okay. have, um, for many, many years, we actually did operate our inventory based business out of our home and we had a very, tight, but efficient workflow, but we eventually just outgrow that. When we started to hit the seven figure mark, we're just like, we cannot maintain this kind. We have a warehouse within our house. And um, when your main decor is cardboard and tape, you really have to reconsider whether or not you need to upgrade your, your, and take that next step, which for us and dealing with mostly Amazon, there are these prep facilities that people have started their own businesses by prepping and shipping your inventory. So um, for those of you that don't know how it works. Uh, I use with Amazon FBA and Amazon FBA is really where I'm not fulfilling orders from my house. I never have from the beginning of FBA. What happens is you receive all of your inventory, either at a warehouse or your own home, I guess, or a prep facility, which is what we use. And then they, um, they have to ship all of that to the Amazon warehouse. So a customer like you would uh, open your Amazon app, buy what you're buying and you get it in two days, two day free shipping, right? With prime. And so that's what Amazon FBA is. We send all of our inventory to their warehouse houses. And as soon as a customer orders it, Amazon sends it to them at their two day prime free shipping. And that's how kind of the system works. So you have to initially get your inventory to Amazon and then they fulfill it for you. Well, we use what's called a prep center. So we don't have to do that in-house anymore. So about 
four years or five years ago, we, um, we work with a prep center. All of our inventory is shipped to them. They curate our boxes for us with the inventory coming from different places. And then they send it off to Amazon for us. So we are completely hands off of inventory, which gives us more time to um, bring the best products to the table. I am so glad that people like you exist because my family is addicted to Amazon. <laughs> our neighbors <laughs> say that if they don't see the Amazon truck pulling up in front of our house, like they're concerned that something's wrong with us. Like <laughs> it, it comes literally every day. So, and I never, I kind of understood how it worked. I mean, where we are, there's Amazon warehouses everywhere. So I kind of just assumed people sent their stuff to the warehouses, but with everything that's available on there, the way that you described it makes so much more sense to where like you're fulfilling the orders or you have somebody else fulfilling those orders and then they're sending those to the warehouse and yes. then they come to your door, right? Yeah, and the beautiful piece about that is that as an owner and as someone who wants to curate and solve problems and meet needs with product is that you don't wanna be in the weeds with owning your own warehouse and regulating, you know, I had the option to do that. When we were out growing our space here, we thought, do we get a warehouse and do we hire employees and a manager and have, you know, the incoming and outgoing and all that stuff? Or do we just, you know, use a prep facility that's already established for this? And then they take on the liability of if their employees don't show up, then they don't have to pack their, their products. So we went with that route instead and really has been so freeing to help us grow our business because we're not dealing with inbound and outbound shipping and receiving and packaging. Instead, we're really just focusing on what do our customers want to buy and how do we get them the best products? Yeah, that's, that's so incredible. That's, it's so amazing in this day and age that you're able to do that, right? Like that's, that's just so cool. Well, yeah, I was telling my kids that, that are in college, <clears throat> excuse me, I was telling them I'm like, this job wasn't available to dream up when I was your age. And I'm like, you guys have so many more opportunities to think about <clears throat> what's possible for a career opportunity when this like didn't exist when I was going to school. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I was in college about 10 years ago when I was doing like my purse reselling. So that was all that I really knew how to do, but I couldn't see a way to make it like, like you said, like actually scalable and make it like into an actual career. But the way that you're operating right now, it is a seven figure company. This is a real yes. actual business, which is so incredible. Now over those, how long you said you've been doing this 21 years, I'm sure there were a few failures that you experienced just a couple, right? Oh my gosh. Where do we begin? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, let's dive into like the biggest ones that you can remember and what you learned from those. If you, if you can remember whatever you feel like would benefit people the most to hear. Of course. Well, you know, I just a general overall, when it comes to failure, one of my very favorite, my, my phrases, like when people say like, do you have like, not necessarily a favorite quote or something like that, but just kind of a mantra I always live by is failure is better than regret because I've had both and I would choose to fail and learn something over and over than to, to deal with the coulda, woulda, shoulda, or regret not taking an opportunity or a chance or um, having fear stop you. So I'll enter into my fear with, or by talking about failure and fear at the same time with, with that is just knowing that for me personally, um, after being in business for almost two decades now, really just realizing that I would rather fail over and over than sit around going, oh, I really wish I would have taken that train when it came by. <laughs> so, I completely agree with that. 100%. Oh, gosh. So, so when it comes to well, one of the most recent and maybe biggest financial 
failures, I guess I could call that, was um, with our most recent private label product. Um, we created and invented this product. Well, we didn't really reinvent it. We just curated it in a way that makes it a lot more convenient for people. And um, we we were invited to be part of this huge music festival to vend our, our new product in this place. And they say they had between 50 and 60,000 people coming to this event, and it was going to be a really big deal. And we only had a few hundred pieces of inventory at that time. And just knowing at normal conversion rates, when we've gone to events before, very smaller ones, smaller vendor events and things like that to try to sell product um, outside of the Amazon space is also visibility is important for any brand, you know, so getting out there and getting visible. And we were invited to this specific thing. It was a great target market and target audience and not knowing what to expect and being very new to this type of vending, um, we thought it was going to be best to make sure we had a lot of inventory because we thought for sure we were going to sell hundreds and hundreds of units. And, you know, we had to invest a lot up front to get this inventory. Some of it's imported. And so it takes a long time to do that. So we tied up a lot of our capital and we went to this event and we sold 20 units. <laughs> 20, which was in our minds, a complete failure. Um, it was very expensive to do the event. And um, based on the hype that they gave us, you know, everybody, they gave us numbers of these vendors did this amount last year. And this, so we had this high expectation that we were going to move hundreds of product. And it came down to the fact that we sold 20 total units. And one of the days was a complete rain day. And we just walked away from that number one with all this extra inventory that we had to get a storage unit for. And that, so, so we're still paying for this con continual failure. However, what we learned was we, we basically bought our inventory a year ahead. And what we didn't know coming down the pipeline after that was that the pandemic was going to cause supply chain issues and our business was going to pick up online. So although we failed in this event that we went to and we spent hundreds of dollars and we just three days with a crew of like six people walking away like, wow, we barely made the cost. It cost us just to stay here, let alone no profits. So, but we looked at it that way and then we realized, but what do we learn? And so we actually made a list of everything we learned by going through this. And although let's say cost of education, like, well, did we actually lose money? No, because we actually have all the inventory. We just pre-purchased it for like a long time. I love that reframe. I just pre-purchased it like three years in advance. That's all. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, what happened was that, you know, we did, of course, hindsight, right? After we got to this event and we came back and we just felt very discouraged. Although we had a very, very positive reception to our new product, um, we just didn't get as many sales. I think people needed more time. It's a little bit more expensive. And so people are like, oh, I really need to think about that. But that's a great idea. And every person that walked by were like, you should go to Shark Tank. You should go to Shark Tank. <laughs> like, you have no idea what it entails to go to Shark Tank. And then they own like most of your business. So I think I'm opting out of Shark Tank. <laughs> So actually I do know what it's like because when I worked in corporate, one of my, I worked at a digital marketing agency, we did PR and one of our clients that we worked with, they were actually on Shark Tank. So we got the whole inside scoop of what actually happens and it's not what people think, but oh. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that right now because <laughs> I don't want their legal team coming after me, but um, <laughs> just say that. Um, but I also, I love how you said that you made a list of all of the lessons that you learned. And I'm assuming you didn't do that in the moment while you were kind of freaking out with all of this inventory. I'm sure you probably did that like a day or two later. 
Um, let's say maybe like three months later, like I will okay. tell you that like after the event and like when this kind of the smoke clears and you're kind of getting back to work and getting back to and analyzing, not just the financials, but then all the stuff that happened, I literally sat down and had like the ugly cry pity party, whole box of Kleenex mascara down your whole face, like just lost it cry. I'm like, this was a complete disaster mess. And now we have all of this inventory, all of this money tied up. We, you know, we didn't hardly make any sales. This is like a complete wreck. I literally wanted to go to the dump, take all the inventory and just like get rid of it. I mean, literally struggled to bounce back from that. It wasn't just like, Hey, we're going to bounce back. We're going to, it's going to be fine. That's always where I land eventually. But I just am honest to say that that was really heartbreaking for me because I was so confident going in. And so because of, you know, lots of different factors, being in for a while, loving my idea, having lots of market research that people love the product. I was actually shocked that we just didn't do as well as we thought. So I really had to have my own come to Jesus talk with myself in the moment of just really kind of mourning the loss of the expectation that things would just go really well. Hmm. Yeah. I'm just imagining you I mean, if it was me, definitely ugly crying, definitely eating like an entire carton of like chocolate ice cream while also mm-hmm. thinking about creating a bonfire in my backyard with all <laughs> the materials. <laughs> That's kind of what was like going through my mind when you were talking about that. Um now, do you, do you have another big failure that you wanted to share that you think would help people? I mean, that's a big one. That's a big one. And I'm so grateful that you shared that, but is there anything else? You know, uh, there are there are, I am so ambitious that like, there's probably like a whole landslide of different failures that other people might perceive as that. But the hardest part for me, when someone talks specifically about like failures like that, is that I just struggle to call them that because until you're dead, you always have an opportunity to change something, to pivot. Just because this one way didn't work out doesn't mean that the next way isn't. Like most people, the, the event we talked about, about how we went and it was such a failure. Um, I just got the application to reapply for this year and we just reorganized and we're doing it again. So most people would say, wow, you lost thousands of dollars. You have all this inventory, you have all this stuff. And instead I look at it like, but we spent the majority of the money last time buying all the, the, the decorations and all the inventory, everything this time, all we have to do is sign up and show up. We already, we did all the work last year. It just didn't give us the dividends yet. So I'm like, why not start again? And most people are like, are you sure? Cause you kind of lost a lot of money the last time we're like, yeah, but now we know what we didn't know then. So to me, when I look at these things that maybe didn't go well and, and the outside world or even most from most people's standards would say, this is a complete failure. Um, I just look at it as a learning experience. Like, okay, we learned something. It didn't go the way we wanted to, but now we know what we didn't know then and we can go in stronger. We can go in knowing the expectations, lowering the expectations and just having an open mind to be curious about what if we do things differently, how could that work out? I just, I feel like you can't fail unless you completely give up. (laughs) I 100% agree that there's a quote, I think it may be I think it's been attributed to Albert Einstein. I don't know if he's the one who actually said it, but I haven't found a thousand ways. Ugh. Do you know what quote I'm thinking of? It's like, I I found a, th- a thousand ways that haven't worked yet. Yeah. But it's something like that. Like you try something a thousand times. And those uh, yeah. Ways just yeah. Work, I tried a thousand right? ways that didn't work. And so the right. a thousand and one is going to be the one that's going to work, you know, and that's really my mindset of that because over and over, 
um, I don't know what some people call it stubborn. I call it determined. <laughs> I'm just sometimes really determined to like try every old which way until I'm convinced that it absolutely can't work. And most of the time you just need to look at it from a different perspective or approach it from a different way or, um, throw a little less money at it and a little bit more wisdom and, and the vice versa. Sometimes you just need a little bit of extra money to, 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 um, make things work. So I really just look at things as like, yeah, I have those, I have a lot more feelings of failure than I have acts of failure, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And you're also teaching your kids that failure doesn't really like quote unquote exist either. So mm -hmm. they're learning from you as you quote unquote fail as well. Right. So I think that's a really important um, lesson for them. Had they ever said anything like that to you? Like, mom, you're, I don't want to say you're failing, but like, mom, why did you do that? Why did you make that decision? Like have any of those conversations come up? Yeah, for sure. Now that I have adult children, it's so much different. Like my, my kids are 21, 18 and 11. So we have very interesting conversations and, and I work from home and they all are still living here and doing their things. And so they do observe and see these different things and they see not only the ugly cries and the pity parties, but me willing to just take chances. And I think that's what they see above everything else is not really about failure or success. It's just more about being willing to try, even if you're scared. Yeah. They know I'm scared to death to do this. I have, and they see it, hear me say that all the time. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just giving it a shot. And like, so you don't know what you don't know. And you can't, you know, you always get a, you, you never get a yes. If you don't ask, it's always going to yeah. be no. If, if you don't ask, if you don't go, if you don't do this. And I, I oftentimes will tell them, I'll, I'll be like, Oh, I'm working on this. I'm working on it. They're like, mom, you're crazy. You're doing so many things. I'm like, well, just in case these two things don't work out, I've got these other things going on. So, you know, there's always something kind of in the queue and working. And, um, my son said it recently the other day is that he's a musician and he does really, really well at the recording side and the, the, um, creation of music and everything else, but he struggles to get out to perform. And so he's like, I'm just so afraid. And I was like, well, you don't have any idea how something's going to turn out. And you know what? You could always pivot and walk away. Or, or if you're really embarrassed or you end up feeling like you got to throw up, you're like, excuse me for a moment and, you know, go take care of business or sorry, my equipment failed. I got to go and unplug it all and leave. I mean, there's always an out. There's always an option. There's always a way to pivot. So I think when you go in with open eyes, it's really hard to, to fail completely. Yeah, that's something that I have learned. I've been in business for six years now, so not as long as you, but I have learned over the years. I've had so many ideas over the past six years. Like if something won't work, there's going to be another new idea that's going to happen. It, it's inevitable at this point, right? And I think most entrepreneurs feel the same. Now, I do want to ask you, since your kids are older and they have been watching you go through this for almost two decades, like you said, are they entrepreneurial minded? Are they talking about starting their own companies too? Has that affected them at all? You know, I think my daughter is, my middle daughter is definitely going to be entrepreneurial at some point. However, they're just in that discovery phase. My son needs a little bit more of a schedule and a rigid kind of thing. He's noticed that, that like when it comes to entrepreneurship, he struggles to motivate himself. Um, but, but they're also both very responsible, very, um, you know, they have strong work ethics, very responsible, things like that. So whatever they choose to do, you know, that's what we always say here. Is it like, you have to work for the rest of your life to work for a living and earn an income and pay your bills. You might as well do something that you really like and enjoy because 
the money doesn't, isn't going to matter. You're going to have to get up and do this every single day. And if it's something you hate, I don't care if you get paid a million dollars to do it. You won't do well. You won't stick with it for long. It will suck the life out of your soul. And so, um, I've always said, it doesn't matter what you're doing or how much money you're earning. As long as you're really into it, it's something you're passionate about, something you really enjoy. And it's not such a dread. And so they see that as well, but I think eventually they might both enter, enter into that, but I think there's some personality things that, uh, limit their desire to do so. There's, it's a lot of responsibility to be a business owner and do all that. And you have to be willing. So I do see that for my middle child. Eventually, I think she'll get tired of what she calls the workforce and do something for herself. My son, as long as he can do something with music, I think he'll be really happy. For sure. Yeah. And I, I just feel like the world is so different these days. My eight-year-old nephew is talking about how he wants to be a YouTube star. So like, that's what, that's his career path that he has chosen. And it's just, I mean, YouTube didn't exist when I was eight years old. So I just think it's, it's just so interesting how the world has changed. My son's almost three. So I don't know what the world will even look like when he's your kid's age. So it's just so interesting. So interesting to see all of that. Um, I also know that you have a podcast called the Amazon file. So is that kind of what you do now is you help people sell on Amazon? That's your, like your main focus. I do. Yeah. I started, um, after I become pretty successful on Amazon, I took on a business partner, which was actually my mother. Um, cause at that time I was doing the retail arbitrage that you were talking about and going to stores and buying, and she loves shopping. She's like, you're shopping for a living and making money. She's like, how do I get involved in this? And I was like, okay, that sounds like my mom. 100%. She was, she was so intrigued by that. And I was like, okay, well, why don't you come? And she kind of did like a ride along and went with me and I showed her how I was using my phone to, you know, scan products and see, you know, what the price differentiation was between like retail versus Amazon and things like that. And she just got right into it. And then she's like, okay, let me try it. And she went down a whole aisle and she filled the cart with all, she's like, what about all these things? And I was like, you're hired. Let's do this <laughs> and taking her on. Um, she was, she did what I call the double hustle for, um, almost a year. She worked her day job. Well, it was actually a night job and then worked all day there. And she did that for about a year until we could fully replace her salary and still support me as well. And so, um, that took about a year or, or so. And she kind of declared her independence from that and has been part of the business ever since. And, um, she, she kind of, she, yeah, she was doing that like double hustle for a while. Um, kind of getting into the business. And now I just totally forgot the question you asked me. <laughs> I lost my train of thought with my mom. You're totally fine. Um, I was asking, you focus on helping people sell on Amazon now. Like oh, that's yeah, the yeah, main yeah. Focus. yeah. Okay. So that that's the business. And once we established that and really got, really got good at what we were doing, um, people started to ask me about it. We talked just like, Hey, what do you do for a living? I'd say this and people, Oh, can you help me with that? And I realized there was a need to start teaching people that I thought this is what I learned as a stay at home, work at home mom, um, just with barely a budget was able to build this seven figure business. And I thought, I really want to teach and help people start and grow that too. So I started to be involved in some online forums and some live webinars. This was back in 2014 when I started mommy income. And I just thought, I just want to teach people the same things that I've learned. I'm just one step ahead of them, but it's a way that if people can find their own financial freedom, I wanted to be able to help them with that. I had no idea. I was even consider myself a teacher until someone invited me to basically teach what I knew. And I created a presentation, which I didn't know how to do that either and realized, 
hey, this isn't bad. I really enjoy teaching people and answering these questions. And it was just such a joy for me that I continued on doing it. So I've pretty much been doing a live, either live and then eventually I, I did pre-recorded, but it was a live show for about three years. And then I turned it into a podcast. And so since 2014, Mommy Income was born and we teach people to start and grow businesses with Amazon. That's so cool. That's, that's so cool. And I, you're like, well, I created a presentation and I didn't know how to do that. I feel like every day entrepreneurship is like learning to do something you didn't know how to do the day before. It's like, Amen. whether it's <laughs> every day, there's always something to be like, oh, now I need to learn how to do this so that I can do this because, you know, you can hire people eventually, but you still kind of have to know what you're doing. Otherwise, you know, it's kind of like, you don't know what you don't know and they could really screw you. <laughs> so, well, and I, that's something that I preach to people. I'm like, as the owner of your business, you need to know how things work. You don't have to do everything, but if that person leaves and nobody else knows how to do the thing, that's on you, right? yeah. it's your business, right? So <laughs> Yes, I preach that. And I'm so glad that you agreed with me on there. Now, do you have any tips for people? I know you said you help people start and then grow. If somebody's listening to this right now, um, they're staying at home, they want to start their own Amazon business. Like what is one big tip that you can give to them? Big tip is to kind of be, just be educated first and just be curious instead of having expectations, like be curious about uh, a real thing. A, a lot of times I'm a tough love, very honest person. So I don't sugarcoat. And there's a lot of people out there to be aware of that are just like, they promise big numbers and like, Oh, make a hundred thousand dollars by the end of next month. And, and all these big bells and whistles. Well, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. There are ways to start small, to start independently, to start with out a huge budget and a huge risk to get started. Um, I, I encourage people to really just step small, learn something, figure out if it's right for you. Um, there's even some, I have a couple of videos on my YouTube channel that are like, is, is Am selling on Amazon right for you? And I give all of the expectations of what workload you expect to do and what kind of uh, financial independent time and time and financial commitment that it takes to kind of run a business like this. So you can decide before you even jump into a lot of education, if this is even right for you. So I encourage people to just kind of have a heart to heart with themselves and say, this is not just a get rich quick kind of thing. And it's not what you're going to pay your rent with next month. It is a real legitimate and sustainable business. And so it's going to require time, money, and effort, not a ton of it, but a consistent amount of it. So even if you have a hundred dollars and uh, one hour a week, you can do it. it. Just having the expectations that meet what you're bringing to the table. And I think at that point, anyone from anywhere can do it. My mom started and with me when she was 57. And so it's for any age, it's for any group. And we both have location freedom as well. So we, we work both remotely and sometimes she's in Florida and sometimes she's here and sometimes she's in Texas with my sister and she's still doing her work and I'm still doing mine. And so it really offers that, but having the realistic expectations that it takes time and energy and consistency to build a business. And then if you're ready, let's do it. Cause those, those are the people that are ready to say, I'll do whatever it takes to grow this. Um, I can't think of another industry that I would have been able to reach the level I'm reaching, um, completely like on my own. I mean, yes, I have teams, but I haven't, I didn't start with a team. I started by myself with a couple hundred dollars and a computer. Um, so I just feel like realistic expectations really, really help. So getting started while um, listening to the Amazon files podcast for free resources, but don't listen to 
five different people. You know, that's where people start getting confused and they don't understand the lingo and all that kind of stuff. So just be educated, but the select few people that you listen to on a specific topic and figure out if it's right for you. That was all so insanely helpful. And I love that you have a video that says like, this is what's going to happen. If you don't want to do this, don't start. Right. <laughs> because people need to understand that it it's a business. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. And I'm just glad that there are people like you who exist, who can help other people do this, like make this dream possible for themselves too. So I know you mentioned that you have a YouTube channel, so we'll link to that below so people can go check that out. But um, where is the best place for people to connect with you if they just have questions or want to chat with you? Um, so I'm at mommy income at all the social channels. And if you have an email, you want to reach out to me, admin at mommyincome.com. I'm happy to answer the questions there. The podcast is the Amazon files podcast that can be wherever you're listening to podcasts. And then again, the YouTube channel, everything is mommy income, mommyincome.com. So, um, you'll find me there and there's tons of places to connect and, and get connected with us in our community. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Thank you again for being here. And I'm just so glad that you were able to share your brilliance and your story with other people. Thanks for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Behind Their Business podcast with me, Steph Blake of the Blake Collective, which is a female-led company focused on helping online entrepreneurs start and scale their own businesses. If you or someone you know would make a great guest for the show, we would love to interview you. Visit our website at behindtheirbusiness.com to submit a short application and learn more about the show and how you can support our mission. If you enjoyed the show, we would love for you to share it with a friend or a loved one too. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you again for listening to the Behind Their Business podcast.